Hashtag SAFM Lifetime. Good afternoon once again, and thank you so much uh, for not touching that dial. This is SAFM Radio, and uh, we begin a conversation. You actually find us uh, between 104 and 107 nationwide, and invite you uh, to join in the various uh, platforms and have uh, this conversation with us as we talk about addiction right now. You can join us via Twitter, Facebook, I see. We also have Instagram and YouTube at SAFM Radio, and uh, also SMSs are welcomed at 40938 charged at 150 <coughs> per SMS. Uh, good afternoon and welcome Carol and thank you so much uh, for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for uh, including me in the discussion, Kusalda. What a sad discussion. I mean, uh, there are various mm. um, types of, of addictions and oftentimes uh, we don't even recognize that actually there is a problem. When does addiction become an addiction? So that is a good question because there isn't a a difference between a habit, which Mm. sometimes may be a bad habit, Mm. and an addiction. So an addiction usually is characterized by something that you, it it really is difficult or or it feels impossible to stop. Mm. And um, you need more and more of the same to get um, the the result that you started with. So if we take the logical thing that people think of, first of all, is alcohol, Mm. that for in the beginning, you've got a really nice, lovely, warm feeling from one glass of wine or one beer. And after a while, you don't get that same feeling from one, you need two, and then you need three, and then you need four. And slowly it starts building to the point where you actually can't function in the world without that fix, without that experience, without that feeling. Mm. And usually an addiction is also characterized by some kind of denial or minimizing of of your behavior. So no, um, we actually call it thinking, thinking. Mm. And thinking, thinking is no, everybody has a glass of wine at lunchtime. It's lunchtime. Yeah. Or, you know, five o'clock, end of the day, everybody has a beer. So mm. I don't have a problem because I can justify my behavior and therefore minimize the seriousness of it. That's, those are usually some of the qualities of um, an addiction as opposed to a, a habit. Oh, oh, I only watch pornography after work and end up leaving the office after 10 p.m. Yeah, yeah and everybody does it. You know, that's the other oh. thing is, you know, I, it's not a problem because if all men watch pornography or all teenagers, you know, that's how they learn about sex. They all mm. watch pornography. So it's it's kind of playing down the seriousness and and but it is also characterizes an inability to control yeah. um, the behavior. You can't stop. And I'm sure um, you know with an inability to control the behavior uh, also leads uh, to being abusive um, because you're trying to hide um, this this behavior pattern. Um, how abusive are, are, are individuals who are addicted to something? So I mean I think that. So, it depends how you define abuse. So if you're looking at a more subtle form of abuse mm. rather than, I mean, we do know that certain substances and a certain addictions will lead to aggressive and an increase in aggression. Mm. Um, but I think also the guilt that is an underlying factor for all addicts. They do feel guilty. They hate themselves. And they often transfer that guilt and that hatred onto partners or loved ones or people in their lives. 
so that they don't have to feel those feelings and take responsibility. And I think that is the, that's where the, the subtle emotional abuse can come, that they don't realize that the impact of their behavior on the relationship is very damaging. Mm. And one form of abuse that is quite prevalent is they addicts can are very manipulative and they can make the person in the relationship with them feel as if it as if they they're going crazy there's something yeah, wrong yeah. with them because they're seeing things that their gut is telling them this is not right this is there's something wrong here but the addicts addicts are usually very clever at denial and manipulation and that can become emotionally abusive in a relationship. And you end up being the one apologizing for their behavior patterns. Now let's talk about uh, the reason we're having this conversation. Uh, We're reflecting this is a a relationship desk uh, where we empower people who are in relationships to just uh, manage uh, some of the challenges they face better and how do we then empower the individual who's in a relationship with a, a person who's addicted uh, to whatever it is that they're addicted to, how does one even go about establishing trust? Yes, well, I think that is the the big problem, is that because promises are made and promises Mm. are broken. Um, And we, in in a relationship context, particularly in Imago, we look at all addictions, whether it's to alcohol, drugs, sex, pornography, even food, shopping, there's so many, and social media, of course, is a massive big one at the moment, mm-hmm. that all of these are, we call them exits. And very often, people exit the relationship and get their needs met by something outside of the relationship. Mm-hmm. For example, social media. So they're having some form of connection with other people or some, you know, body else outside of the relationship, and that meets a need. So first of all, to understand that an addictive behavior is an exit, and often it's because there's not enough communication happening in the relationship. The needs are not verbalized. Mm. They're acted out outside of the relationship. So the first thing that, that really needs to happen is the person who's in a relationship with an addict or starts to wonder whether this person that I'm in a relationship with and I really love they're exiting, so therefore the connection in the relationship is going to be compromised and they're going to feel, I can't reach you, I can't talk to you, I mm. can't engage with you, there's something missing. And I think that needs to be addressed through, again, communicating and saying, I feel like you're missing, I feel like you're not connecting with me, you're not there for me, please can we do something about this? Yeah, yeah. And and oftentimes um, it's very easy to blur the lines and and believe that as as a loved one, um, it's being supportive when you help them hide um, whatever addiction. How important is getting help for yourself uh, as you try and and help uh, your loved one? Uh, respond to this, uh, Carol, and when we return from this break. Call Chris Salda now. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. Do join the conversation and uh, give us a call if uh, perhaps you have a loved one who is addicted and you don't know how to help them. Or perhaps you're the one that's addicted and uh, uh, you're needing assistance. Uh, joining us on the line is Carol Ann Dixon, who is a, a counseling psychologist and uh, she specializes in imago relationship therapy and uh, will be able to respond to your questions um, or comments. Let's talk about the importance of getting help for self because oftentimes... People just don't know how to deal. 
Yeah, absolutely. It can be a very lonely journey because there's shame associated with your partner's behavior mm. um, or your child's behavior. And, um, and so that shame leads to wanting to hide things and wanting to cover up and to sometimes become codependent. And a codependent is somebody who actually facilitates the dependency or the addiction without realizing that they are playing a role and not really helping their, their, um, their loved one. So it is important to get help and to start talking to somebody also so that you can start trusting yourself because a lot of the times the person who's in a relationship with an addict starts questioning their own view of reality. Mm. You know, am I really, is this really true? Yeah. And so to speak to an objective person outside who says, actually you are dealing with an addiction here and these are the guidelines, these are the boundaries you need to set, this is the journey that you're going to continue on and to walk that road alongside the person who's, you know, who is in the relationship and who's battling with it. It's actually, you cannot do this on your own. And many people think that they've got the power to rescue their loved one. Mm. The relationship is so important to them. So, you know, I have to stay with this person. I can't leave them. Um, or, you know, I can't set boundaries. I'm, I've got the power through my love to rescue them and get them through this. And, I'm not underplaying the power of love, but certainly when you're dealing with something as complicated as addiction, you need support and help. You need support and help. And uh, it's important to acknowledge that uh, at times professional help uh, can help you even come up with strategies. How how does one communicate in a way that is not going to have backlash where the, the addict ends up wanting to defend themselves? You know, I don't think that you can avoid that, uh, Mm. I think that the addict will continue to defend themselves until they get to a point where they're ready to acknowledge. And sometimes addicts have to get to the very, very bottom of the barrel. They have to get to a point in their lives where their problem becomes so evident to them that they realize, I can't do this anymore. I have to change. So... Mm. It's really, it's kind of, as a partner, it's being very brave and very courageous to just keep putting that line in the sand and saying, this is not what I want to have in my relationship with you. Go and get help otherwise. And and, and to put those boundaries and and those um, deal-breaker conversations in place so that the addict realizes what they're going to lose. And once they start realizing that, there's a little bit more hope. Mm. rather than facilitate and you know take the sort of the kid gloves approach all right, so let's take your uh, questions, comments um, at SAFM Radio, hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live, and that's uh, both on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and you can also send us an SMS, 40938, charged at 150 per SMS. Um, there is a question um, about masturbation, um, Carol N. Uh, this person says, I do it every morning and each night before I sleep. This is from brother. Is this an addiction? Well, um, you know, the problem with things that relate to sexual activity is that sex is a very important part and sexual gratification is a very important part of our lives. So it's it's like saying, well, I eat breakfast every morning and I have dinner every night. Is mm. that an addiction? Um, not necessarily. However, um, if this behavior is interfering with the relationship, and the person can't have 
a normal sexual relationship with their partner because they prefer solo sex or masturbation. And, and, and so it starts to become dysfunctional in the relationship. And then they can't stop. That's, that would then define um, that it's becoming, that it may actually be an addiction. So I think it, it has to get to the point where there's a level of dysfunction. Yeah. And also, I think if we understand that, and this is new research that's coming out about addiction, is that people who are addicted to behaviors or substances or things outside of themselves are longing for connection. They desperately want connection, but they can't get it for various reasons. Either they themselves don't know how to be vulnerable in relationships and how to connect in a meaningful way, or they're with people who don't meet their emotional needs. And so they develop these behaviors to meet an unmet need. Mm, And mm. if we can understand what is the underlying unmet need behind this person's masturbation, is there a real need that is being replaced by the masturbation? Let's talk about it and let's try and uncover that and unpack it and see where it could go because it might not be a, a, a addiction, but on the other hand, depending on the context and the situation, it could very well be. Sure. All right, so let's take uh, some of the SMSs. Angela um, says, I'm a wife of an alcoholic. I also felt I had the power to rescue I, um, for the past 17 years. I need coping wow. skills, please. Thank you for the discussion. Wow, 17 years hmm. of you know, being with somebody in that place is, is, you know, that's very, on the one hand, it's really courageous and incredibly patient. Mm. Um, and I think the, the coping mechanisms are for you, first of all, as an individual to make sure that you have a way of nurturing yourself so that your life isn't always revolving around the addiction and the addict and rescuing them and helping them and focusing all your energy on the problem. To really make sure that you, as an individual, fill your life with things that are going to nurture you and strengthen you and give you the courage to make some very, very hard decisions Mm. um, that that may need to be made. All right. Another um, SMS from Anonymous saying, uh, this is a necessary topic. Thank you very much. Um, uh, My loved one is addicted to television and it has affected our relationship negatively. I do not get to discuss or talk or connect with him meaningfully. Uh, We only talk about general issues and it has gone on for a very long time. Anonymous. Yeah, because people don't realize that even that remote control can be addictive. Absolutely, television can be terribly addictive, as as in any kind of screen can be very addictive, and it does have a neurological effect on the brain. And people will justify it and say, "Well, you know, that's how I relax. You know, Mm. that's my downtime, or I can't, you know." But it's actually an exit, and it's a way of avoiding connection. Sure. So, um, really, I would recommend that 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 person says to her husband, to her loved one, please, can we go for therapy? Can we go and consult with somebody to help us communicate and to help us connect in the way that I want to feel connected because I love you and I'm lonely. It's important to affirm. It's important to affirm and and speak from a loving place as opposed to a judgmental place. Uh, Carol, and I know that uh, we have to release you, um, but people like Angela and and everyone else requested your details urgently, please. So um, my email address is imago, spelled with an I, imago, C for Carol D for Dixon, at gmail.com. 
And I am Margot Africa is the organization that I'm a part of. We do have a Facebook page. So you can go and look at Imago Africa and uh, send me a, a message um, or email me. I'll be very delighted and happy to help or refer to, you know, in the right direction. Awesome. You can also follow us at SAFM Radio. We'll post um, your details and your email address. Thank you very much, Carol. And thank you for thank joining you, us. Thank you, Griselda. Take right. care. Have a lovely day. Bye-bye. And you, thank you. That's uh, Carol Ann Dixon, who is a counseling psychologist uh, specializing in imago relationship therapy. That's where we leave um, this particular conversation. When we return, let's look at uh, some of the tools um, that are available and accessible uh, to help those loved ones with an addiction and we'll be speaking to FAMSA right now here's the news headlines with Utzile Sako Lifetime Live with Chriselda Dudumashe it is a very good afternoon and uh, it's 20 mi- 29 minutes um, to 3 and joining me right now on the line is uh, Sis Mandisa uh, Matlopa who is a social auxiliary um, worker. I think we, it's easier when we say social worker at FAMSA and uh, this is a family life center as we talk about uh, um, you know the challenges of being in a relationship with a, a person who's addicted to something whether it's a remote control it's uh, pornography it is uh, social media it's gambling the list goes on and on or even substance and uh, how do you help those loved ones uh, to deal with their addiction what sort of assistance is available within FAMSA uh, good afternoon and welcome Sis Mandisa hi how are you I'm uh, well how yes. are you well, I'm okay <laughs> well thank you let's talk about you know the kind of assistance that is available um, during our conversation with Carol and uh, Elia on we're reflecting on the type of addictions and um, you know the, the, the some of the mannerisms and the characteristics associated with an addict um, but I guess we're at a point now where we need to know what help looks like and uh, what is the success rate of uh, uh, treatment interventions? Um, what we, uh, the counseling, firstly, remember if the, 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 the person is involved in education, they have to come, then they will do kinds of things to just to manage their relationship. So they have to come, like either the partner or both partners, and say, we have this uh, kind of a problem or addiction that that has been going on in the in the house and then after that then we will have like schedule the counseling and try to find out what is the cause because remember sometimes we have to go deeper to the situation and find out what is the cause of what is happening to the person and then before you just you know so so that the other part will understand why this other part is doing this you see, so counseling is the first step that we take as FAMSA mm-hmm. going forward. So, what sort of uh, problems have you dealt with that are most prevalent? Um, can you repeat the question, please? Uh, some of the problems that are more common um, that you have dealt with that are more common. Um, sometimes it's lies. Between the families, mm-hmm. like the, the, either they say the partner, the male partner, will be lying, the theft, uh, like because he's stealing from the family to 
fix whatever that is doing. Maybe they're gambling. Let's say, like, let's say the, the person is gambling, but he doesn't want to say to the house that I have a problem with gambling. Mm-hmm. So we'll be stealing in the house, then they are lying. So we have to find why he's stealing the money to do whatever, whatever. Where is the man? Is the, the man that is missing in the house is going where? So mm-hmm. maybe we'll start maybe sometimes, no, I'm not taking the money, denying everything. I don't know, maybe someone else is taking it. But at the end of the day, maybe we'll come to the point of saying, I, they caught me. Let me just say I have a problem with gambling. So now you have to go for counseling and then find out what did it push him. Or yeah. it was friends that make him gamble or it was just it was a hobby that you wanted to do. So what sort of programs are now available within FAMSA uh, for a person who's listening to this conversation and thinking maybe as a family uh, we need to go for counselling, we need help? We have uh, family therapy, individual therapy, uh, couples uh, therapy, uh, parenting skills, uh, youth you know, because even our youth in these days that deep on these social media things that they end up being addicted. They don't do their homework. When you say do your homework, it's busy on social media, checking to CFISO that is on the other side of the country, which is maybe not a CFISO, all those kind of things. So we have even the youth programs that we try to say, stay out of these things because at the end of the day, they are going to be attached on your life forever and won't be able to get out of it. So contact details, how do we find, where do we find FAMSA? Um, my contact details is 061-758-4626 and the landline for the head office is 011-788-4784. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for joining us, uh, Sister MB. Uh, Sister Mandisa, thank you very much uh, for joining us. I'm I'm getting um, a bit excited with the next conversation because we are going to listen to Umam Notembi. Uh, thank you, Sis Mandisa. Thank you very much for joining us. That's Mandisa Malopa, social uh, worker at uh, FAMSA, as we're talking about some of these challenges. Please do seek help and get help.